0: Hello, and welcome to the Testudo Times Podcast. I'm Thomas Kanzora. I have to start this show on an incredibly tragic note. Jordan McNair, an offensive tackle on the Maryland football team, has passed away after fighting for his life in the hospital for about two weeks. He collapsed during an organized team workout on May 29th and was hospitalized, and every update we received after that was that he was in critical condition. We hadn't heard anything about it for a few days, but to hear the news of his death was shocking and heartbreaking. It started with a couple tweets and Instagram posts, and it became more real to us with everyone we saw. We were waiting on an official announcement from the team for a couple hours, but when it came, my heart still dropped. It's still hard to believe now, and it'll never be an easy thing to come to grips with. This terrible tragedy serves as the ultimate reminder of the things that matter. McNair could have been a great football player, but any time a 19-year-old is taken away from his family and friends, hardly anything else seems to matter. McNair was universally loved by his teammates and coaches from all levels. I never met him or spoke with him myself, but everyone I know who did said he was a joy to be around. He was the kind of person who made the world around him better, and for someone like that to leave us so soon hurts more than anything. The McNair family has asked for prayers during this emotional time and the link to the GoFundMe created by other parents from the Maryland football team is in the description of this post. We will also have more information on Testudo Times as it becomes available. In the meantime, I ask you to make a point of reminding the people in your life that you care about them and love them, family, friends, partners, and anyone else who makes your world better. Appreciate them for as long as you can. Life is precious and it's fragile. Never take it for granted. With that said, here is the podcast we recorded Tuesday night. Due to some technical difficulties, Matt wasn't able to post it as a story here, but it had been on SoundCloud and iTunes and some of you have already listened to it. Although other things happened between that recording and this one, like Kevin Herter's surgery and a basketball home-and-home with Seton Hall, we will discuss those on our next show which will be sometime soon after the NBA draft on June 21st. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show.
1: You're listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 119 of the Testudo Times podcast, where the 2002 Maryland men's basketball team is no longer the most recent sport champions in the DMV, and Thomas Kenzora and about 500,000 of your closest friends are very happy about it. Absolutely. How drunk did you get? I
0: didn't get that drunk today, just because there were lines for the beer, and I didn't need that. Yeah, and I didn't need that. It is Bud Light, which, you know, I don't hate, but I don't necessarily seek out at the same time. Is kind of where I stand seek on out. that.
1: <laughs> but how drunk did you get on Thursday night?
0: Not very, because I wasn't downtown. I was, you know, doing a little bit of work, you know, hanging around at home, and then
1: and you because because well because well, all these well
0: because I wrote it the next day. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I see. It was I see it what was actually like I, like I wrote it ended up being almost 1800 words for some reason. I wrote a chunk of that after game 4.
1: Oh, you pre-wrote it and normally if you pre-write something with the capitals that means bad things are going to happen. But this cap- Yeah, I wrote different. I wrote a little
0: bit of it. Like a, a little bit just, you know, the things I was thinking then and I'm like, "Oh, if I'm thinking this now, you know, I'll I'll have more." And I did, and then I decided I made it a fan post. I didn't want to, you know, put the entire site's name on it, but
1: well, yeah, you know. because it's not a strictly Maryland thing. But I'm presuming that 80% no, of the people I just, that read I the just knew are Caps fans. It, yeah,
0: I knew we'd have an audience for it, and so I put it there. I didn't good. have a better place to put it either.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you don't have a personal blog with a 2010 blogger design like I do. To put something, if one of my oh I do, but
0: I've I have since figured out that I can just do this instead.
1: This is true, but I I mean I have to be honest with you. I would have to put it there because don't know if I'd feel comfortable necessarily writing a fan post to the rest of the site. But also, none of my teams are ever winning a title anytime soon, so I don't have to worry (laughs) about that. Fair point. If you have been with us for 119 episodes of the podcast, you know what teams I root for, and you know all of them are very bad. Even the ones that are good, and I have no expectations that any of them are going to win a title anytime soon, and this includes Maryland, as sad as that is to say. But one last thing on the Capitals, and I know most of you who are listening to the show are probably thinking this. This is the most fun I've seen human beings have, perhaps, ever. There's no pretense, there's no anything, it's just unadulterated pure joy. And Alex Ovechkin is having more fun than any of us will ever have in anything that we do, ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I think in focusing so much on Ovechkin, we're forgetting about, you know, how completely ridiculously drunk like Jacob Braun is getting.
1: Yeah, and, he got a tattoo in some random tattoo shop. That was yeah. So apparently, that
0: same guy also got like a handful of guys as well.
1: Yeah, because apparently he um, was a Caps fan. I was reading about that that story. The Washington Post is probably having a great weekend with all this Cap stuff, and I'm glad that they are. Cause the people who cover the caps are great. Half the
0: like also both of the like Maryland writers, they both the the Maryland writers past and present Roman Stubbs and Jesse Doherty, both of them were like all over this
1: all hands on deck.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I've seen, they're doing a pretty good all hands on deck job with it.
1: Well, Um, I mean, I've been just enjoying the Dan Steinberg stories. He he came into one of the classes that I was in, and I've all, I loved this stuff for a long time, and then I think this is the best weekend that a lot of the DC sports writers are having, because they get to tell ridiculous bonkers stories like what are going on here, and it's wonderful. And please enjoy it for as long as you could possibly enjoy it, Caps fans. This one you'll never be able to have this one taken away from you. And in comparison to the Eagles winning a Super Bowl, which there was a lot of joy. I had a little bit more antagonism towards that because of my upbringing and where I live. And the Cavs, of which I had no attachment to in any way, shape, or form. The Capitals one's been a lot more fun. Because I feel like I'm more connected to it, obviously, having lived in the DMV for four years. And seeing the suffering firsthand. So I'm very, very happy for Capitals fans. And most of the people listening to the show in general, if you're not a Caps fan, I bet you're probably enjoying yourself watching these people have the time of their lives and some of the happiest days of their lives. I know I am. It's made for some of the most interesting times I've had on social media in recent times. So let's focus on some Maryland things. And the first year of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Maryland played Virginia. And I thought, Maryland's not playing Virginia in basketball again for another 10 years because they're going to have to cycle through all the bad opponents of the ACC Big Ten Challenge until we get to Virginia again. Nope, not this year. Apparently we're going through retreads already.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, for for at least for the men's challenge, because the women are playing Georgia Tech which they haven't played. And I don't think they've played anyone twice since they switched conferences.
1: In the men, they've um, played Virginia, they've played North Carolina, then Pitt and Syracuse, and we're already back to Virginia.
0: Yeah, we'll, well, also, like, Duke and Indiana have played each other each of the last, like, 80 years. so.
1: Well, of course they're not playing Maryland. That would never happen.
0: Yeah, and they already play Michigan State every two years. So They, can, they can't sense.
1: play in the ACC Big Ten Challenge because of the champions, whatever it's called. But yeah. I just can't imagine why Maryland's not playing somebody like NC State, you know, who is okay. Last year they made the NCAA tournament. Why can't Maryland I'm, play that? I'm
0: very down for UVA because, you know, I have a ton of friends that go there. And now I can trash talk all of them.
1: Or, or well, you or can at, least, say or, that. at least,
0: or at least throw UMBC at them for How a How many very long UMBC
1: time. shirts are going to be in the crowd that night?
0: Oh, I, I, I have no idea. All I'd know is that it had better be a blackout.
1: <laughs> I would think it would be great just have them all wear UMBC shirts and bring the UMBC mascot. Like, if you're going to do it, go all out. And I don't think that this matchup was selected purely for those trolling purposes. Although if it was, whoever did that, thank you very much. But Maryland fans are smart, if anything. And they can chant with the best of them. So I want to hear a lot of good UMBC chants. We need them. This yep. is a call to arms for the students on the first day of December or whenever these games are being held. I don't remember exactly when the schedule is. But when we look at Maryland's schedule overall, having UVA, I mean, they were a number one seed. They did lose to a six team, but they were the best team in the ACC in the regular season. Uh, they were the best
0: team in the country in the regular season.
1: You could argue that. I was never quite so sure about them being the best team in the country. You know. No, they had the best season they did, until the first round. Then they lose in the is, first round, which is very yeah. Yeah. Virginia, right? We must say that, I mean, I guess it's going to be the best part of their schedule, at least for now. We don't know any of the other games on their schedule at a conference, and it doesn't seem like they're going to be playing in any of these tournaments because I think they've all been basically filled up at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, we know a couple of games, and none of them are exciting, and, you know, the...
1: They are playing two tournament teams.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, you Marshall. I, I, like, I like Marshall on the schedule, you know it's my hope is that the, I think they've announced six and they're only going to have 11 non-conference games this year. Yeah. And so the hope is that at least a few of the other five are filled with, you know, power five, power six teams.
1: Now have we, and, I, ask, I have to ask a question here, not to interrupt, but you know how in football, like North Carolina, Wake Forest are going to be playing out of conference games that don't count to the ACC schedule in coming years because the ACC schedule matrix is stupid. Why don't they do that in basketball? Even though you play Because in basketball,
0: basketball once. You're, you're guaranteed to play well, every team. Well, you can still play them twice. Like,
1: like, hey, a yeah, power five team is still one of those, Rutgers at home.
0: But that's one of those, like, which one would you count and which one wouldn't you? And I don't know. I understand why they don't do it in basketball. And the re- I feel like the only reason they do it for the ACC in football is because they still only have eight conference games.
1: This is true. Well, they don't do it in the SEC. They should do it in the SEC now that I think about it. But anyway, uh, that was my first thought about Virginia for the week. And then the second thought I had for Virginia for the week is Bronco Mendenhall saying his team maybe had 25 ACC caliber players, which made me laugh. Aren't you glad Maryland left the ACC in football? (laughs) I know they're getting killed in Big Ten, but we're not playing teams that say that. Even though you could probably say that about Rutgers, Indiana, and maybe you could say about Maryland too, or Illinois. But nobody would say it openly. Only in the ACC would they say that.
0: Yeah, no. Broncos been weirdly unfiltered, and I, I guess I missed that about the ACC.
1: Well, I missed it. Well, Maryland's know. playing Virginia in a couple of years, I think. Maybe I know Bronco, they have Virginia so
0: maybe, Tech. They, down they the do line. play
1: Virginia Tech, but that's when we're all like thirty-three or thirty-four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Maryland does play Virginia at some point again in the future. I'm going to check this because I do remember. And they play Virginia in 2023. So maybe Bronco Mendenhall will still be the coach then. Maybe by that point he'll have an ACC caliber squad.
0: Man, you'd hope so. I mean, if you still need more time to implement your system in year eight – um Ah, uh, damn! Now the the punch the correct punchline to that is you might be Mark Turgeon, but I'm not going to make that joke.
1: You just did. You just did. Damn. Speaking damn. of which, should we talk about damn. Mark Turgeon's coaching staff? Very good segue, sir. Let's do that. Let's do yes, that. Yes, let's talk about his coaching staff. Is because Dustin Clark left to go, to go to the family business back in Texas. Now, unfortunately, we didn't do our prep, so we don't know what the family business is. I'm very curious to see what this business is. But this was apparently in the works for a while, and Clark had been on Mark Turgeon's staff since he was coaching at A&M, so this is a long-time assistant, one of his really trusted assistants. He was a frontman on a lot of recruits. I think Kevin Herter might have been one of them. If we were wrong, please tell us who he recruited uh, at the forefront of uh, the recruitment process. But you never like to lose a coach on the staff, and they've already had a little bit of turnover the staff this year, which I guess is not that surprising considering they had a bad year. But still, one of Mark Turgeon's most trusted assistants leaving in June is not great,
0: yeah, I mean, so a couple things, you know, even he has only said a family business. So, like, I don't even know if it's been reported. It just feels like it's the kind of thing that would get out there eventually. Um, so so that's that part of it. Um, And, yeah, no, he's been with Turgeon since A&M. And, you know, they've done some good things together. And it's it's always hard as a head coach to see. You know, an assistant you've gone through that much with, you know, leave. But it is an interest. It is kind of rare, actually, for like a college basketball coach to leave on their own terms.
1: You mentioned this um, before, and I actually really agree with you because more often than not, if the coaching staff gets purged, that's when the assistants leave, and then they go on to take other jobs.
0: Yeah, and and so so then the follow up to that is that. um, you know maryland had a very good in-house replacement for him they hired matt brady as their director of player personnel last year matt brady was always overqualified for that position and you know this offseason he had been getting you know offers for assistant jobs and he turned them down because he actually knew that you know he was gonna get this promotion at maryland and you know he's a former head coach at james madison so you know it, it's a logical progression for him, um, and then
1: we've seen a yeah, little bit so, of I mean, turnover briefly. We've seen a little bit of turnover the last couple of years uh, on the bench for Maryland. Last year there were some changes. This year there were some changes. Not too surprising because again Maryland's last couple of seasons haven't been exactly great. But we're seeing more turnover now than we did. We haven't seen a lot of turnover in Turge's staff for a while. Don't think we've seen a ton. Not nothing like this, obviously. There was also more backroom stuff that uh, they hired to do, video coordinator, uh, amongst other things. Yeah, well, the
0: video coordinator replaced Brady, so they hired a new one who's Greg Manning's son. Yep. Greg Manning Jr.
1: Yes, who I had to learn, because I have not been a Maryland fan for that long, was once one of Johnny Holiday's former color guys, which is always interesting to me because, of course, the broadcasting industry is uh, near and dear to my heart, especially Johnny Holiday. And... Was he doing color when Maryland won the national championship? I don't know. Somebody can tell me if that was the case. Uh, If it was, good. If not, they have an alum on the staff, and that's a good connection to always have. Uh, So that's the basketball thing. Also, I want to mention these Justin Jackson comments, which I'm just going back to looking at again. He made some comments to Draft Express, uh, of course, after his shoulder injury. I was trying to shoot through it, play through it, because I didn't want to let my team down. We had a real special team. We could have done a lot of great things, you know. It's unfortunate the way the season ended up. But, I mean, a great group of guys that I would have never loved to play with anyone else, and yet he still was pretty clearly going to leave for the draft after this year anyway. Interesting comments. I mean, it was great, obviously, and he said it it happened in preseason. They're interesting comments, right? From somebody kind of looking back on a season that went about as wrong as it could have possibly gone and – maybe torpedoed his draft stock because of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it hearing Jackson speak because I don't know if we ever talked to him during the season. We certainly didn't talk to him after, you know, he shut it down. And so, you know, hearing him in a space like this, you know, be, be open about these things. You know, the one thing that I don't remember him talking about is, you know, how set he was necessarily on, you know going pro and like when because i mean if you're in jackson's situation and you turn pro you know you know hire an agent march and just leave it that you know i mean that suggests that you were set on making that decision you know even before the injuries which you know he didn't say anything regarding that like confirming it denying it whatever um but, but you know, as far as everything else goes, yeah, it, it just humanizes him. And we just haven't really heard his side of the story often. And, yeah, and it, it, it's it, a little – it's refreshing to hear it.
1: Yeah, he tried to play through it during the preseason. He said he may have suffered it during one of those closed-door scrimmages. And he said his shoulder slipped out of his socket, which, if that's happened to any of you, it's bad. And then he tried to keep – playing through it and then this is a shoulder injury in basketball it's a tough injury to play through when you have to shoot and he couldn't play through it anymore and then he had surgery and yeah it's interesting to hear him talk about that because obviously i don't think he's had many facing comments about what happened and what he was thinking about that season as it kind of went south when he went injured i mean they were okay when he was playing obviously it was clear now looking back on it that he wasn't healthy but with them, they were an okay team. They had some promise, and then he got injured, and then had surgery, and then it all just sort of spiraled from there, and it never kind of got back to where it could have been or should have been. So they also picked up, strangely enough, a 2018 recruit at linebacker in June. Thomas, this doesn't happen very often.
0: No, it w- it was a JUCO kid who, you know, there is able to you know fill out the right paperwork and become eligible for 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, I think other schools were recruiting him for 2019. Um, that's, that's a weird world. I don't, I still don't know exactly how many years of eligibility he has. I'm going to assume it's three. And Sounds about right. So, so yeah, I mean, they'll go from there. Um, he is Ahmad McCullough is his name. Should mention and his name. Yeah. Well, better late than never. <laughs> and, uh, so he is from what I've seen and heard more of a speed linebacker might not have the size you'd think a linebacker maybe should have in the big 10. Um, you know, Maryland has had, you know, in some formations, this sort of hybrid linebacker safety role. Uh, Denzel Conyers had it when he played, um, you know, guys like that. And, He seems like a potential fit there, whether it's this year or down the road, but he's eligible, so it can be this year.
1: Mm -hmm. So perhaps we see him this year, perhaps not always. Can't hurt to have some linebacker depth, uh, considering usually as this goes with Maryland, if you're a healthy linebacker by the end of the season, you're playing quarterback. Sorry I had to make that joke. We had a failed recording where Thomas made it first, and then I just totally pirated it from him, and I had no shame in doing so. Sorry. Happens. Yeah, it does. Should we also talk quickly about the schedule? That was, well, we knew what the schedule was. We now have game times. So if you're interested in going to the Texas game at FedEx Field, it'll be at noon that weekend. So everyone's going to bake at FedEx Field. And then they're going to be playing at Bowling Green on ESPN+. No, not the old syndicated service. The streaming service that costs money to buy. So I've been having a moral debate with myself for a couple of days now since this announcement was, made, am I going to actually pay for ESPN Plus to watch a Maryland football game? I am having a much tougher decision in terms of whether I'm going to actually do that in, as opposed to, yeah, of course I'll do that. It's Maryland football. Now I'm thinking to myself, do I really want to pay extra money just to watch one Maryland game against Bowling Green? Considering the last time they played against Bowling Green, it was a disaster.
0: Yeah, well, well that Bowling Green coach got hired elsewhere and they've been garbage since
1: this is true so what does that say about that maryland team
0: well i mean that bowling green team almost won the mac they but did. the coach got it, hired away is, it, is yep. what happened
1: <laughs> but the coach hasn't done anything at syracuse since and that team because no, it's syracuse maryland football it's tough to win there donovan McNabb did it
0: great go out and recruit another donovan McNabb.
1: i don't think they're gonna be that'll only take a handful
0: though. that'll only take a handful of years.
1: And by the way, Maryland's playing Syracuse next year in football. There's a great connection for you. How about, how about that? They're going to be playing a lot of nooners this year. A lot of noon games. Not a lot of people want to watch Maryland play football. Can't really blame them. So, yes. The only game that they have uh, a game time announced for that is not noon is the 6 p.m. ESPN Plus game. And, uh, well, there you have it. That's Maryland football for you in a nutshell. You have to pay to watch them play now, even though this Bowling Green team is probably bad. I think it might be bad. I don't know. I'm not paying attention to how good Bowling Green is at this moment. Well, they've been
0: bad the last couple of years, but who knows? This is a good point. Everyone is currently 0-0, zero and zero, as they all like to say.
1: Yeah, until Maryland is going to be 0-1 probably very quickly. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the MLB draft, which was a week ago now, and multiple Maryland players or commits got drafted, and the team for 2019 is starting to look a little bit less filled with as much talent as we thought it could be.
0: Yeah, um, so Maryland had two commits drafted, um, two outfielders actually. Nick Decker was, you know, being kind of talked about maybe as a day one prospect. Um, I was actually, so I guess a little surprised. Although he's been rising, so he was ranked 74th on MLB.com and he was picked 64th by the Red Sox. And he hasn't announced anything yet. But when you're drafted that high, you sign because the slot value for that for that pick is seven figures. And I you take seven figures.
1: When you think about the Major League Baseball draft and the slot value, I mean, we all hear about random things when it comes to drafts, but if the slot value is still a thing that I'm trying to comprehend what that means, I still don't get it. But I guess I don't have to. If it's seven figures and you're drafted out of high school and you're making seven figures, you're not going to say no to that. Yeah, well,
0: I mean, it's about as simple as, you know, every pick is assigned a number and a team gets... The sum of all the like, numbers that go to its picks. And so then you, you can divide that up as you wish. So you, you can. that That's how that works. But
1: Yeah. I can understand the intricacies of how Major League Soccer's arcane rules work, but I don't understand slot value for the MLB draft. Eh, what is it?
0: Every, life is hit and miss.
1: Yes, it is. Particularly when you're dealing with.
0: And so, so that guy. Times. So that guy is most likely the one guy we know is going to turn pro is Jack Herman, who was a like a probably a day two talent, maybe seventh round tenth round in that range. Um, he slid past it and when guys when high school guys slide past that, um, teams kind of stay away from him because everyone just assumes that they're gonna you know honor their college commitment. Um, but he didn't he he was drafted by Pittsburgh, who has some um, connections, his old high school coach. Uh, was you know played in the Pittsburgh organization and you know I I guess he just you know was set on that and off he goes to turn pro so that's, that's two outfielders.
1: as you say that's
0: two outfield commits gone and to be determined if Marty Costas goes Where he was he drafted, drafted he was drafted 22nd round this year after going 25th round last year both times the Houston Astros so if that's the organization that's interested in you and it's the currently defending world champions, I that think is I'd give certainly a enticing out. Yeah, that's certainly enticing. And for him, I mean he he had a very bad twenty eighteen after two very good seasons.
1: And he still got so, drafted three rounds higher.
0: Yeah. Um and I, I think he has the potential to be drafted, you know, on day two next year if he has a good senior year. But you know, it's still tough if you're a college junior and decide to return because, as a senior, you don't have the leverage, and so they don't give you as much
1: money. Mhm. And there's no guarantee that you'll be drafted higher. Well, if so he has when, a good
0: season, that's it's more likely than not. But still.
1: Mhm. It's quite possible, but we'll see. So that's Maryland baseball for you in a nutshell. It's not going very well.
0: Well, it's the, it's the double-edged sword of, you know, if you're sending players to the draft, if you're sending players to the pros. And Maryland has, you know, a lot of the, a, a lot of the John Chef guys are working their way up through the minors right now. Two guys this, you know, within the past couple of weeks have been promoted to AAA, uh, Brandon Lowe and Lamont Wade then we got a couple more in double a so um now they're doing they're doing well a lot of those guys and then you know if you're also the kind of school that pro level top recruit kind of high schoolers if you're the kind of, if you're a school that those players are interested in you know that that's a good look as well although like Maryland didn't win a lot of games this year and is in less of a position now to win more next year
1: True. That is very true. And you got the taste of a little bit of college baseball. I was watching some of the Super Regionals. Man, didn't, didn't think college baseball was that big in the SEC, but it's a lot bigger. I mean, I, I had my blinders on, but just a minor observation from things that I saw this weekend. Also, now there are some stories on the website that you were writing. One about track that I was very interested in. It's a very good piece, obviously. Uh, talk a little bit about it. I don't want to parrot what you have spent some time <laughs> writing on.
0: Yeah, so, so the track and field championships were this past week. And
1: and that so, crazy USC, uh, what was it, the race? I don't remember what the race was, but she came by on the last, like, few meters and just sprinted by the Purdue person. I can't remember exactly what it was. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, but that but well, it is. was the
0: 4x400. Four Thank you. And the USC, yeah, no, Purdue had, you know, like, good starting legs, but, like, USC had this crazy anchor. Mm-hmm. And... The anchor ran down Purdue in a way that, like, you didn't think was possible. Um, no, like some crazy stuff possible. happens. I watched a little bit of it. Um, one, I, the one that I remember watching live was the steeplechase, which is 3,000 meters. And this guy led for seven laps. He led for, like, seven minutes. And then he, he was, like, setting, I guess, too fast of a pace, and he got tired. And then he kind of clipped the hurdle. And face planted, and finished ninth.
1: The the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Anyway, back to so the, the Marathon Mar- the, on the Maryland end. Yes. <laughs> on, <the> Mar-
0: <laughs> on a different note, Uh I, I always go back has, to that wide world
1: of sports quote, don't we all?
0: Yeah. The Maryland has its first first team All American on the men's side since 2006. Um, discus thrower Greg Thompson is the NCAA runner-up this year um you know he he was kind of a favorite to you know do some damage at this event and he did and the guy who beat him was a senior and thompson's a junior he's he's fun to talk to because he's yeah he he has this giant afro and he's obviously like a strong person and he's and he's from london
1: he's from london yeah oh makes him one of the coolest people ever oh absolutely did you ask him what soccer team he roots for Actually, I don't I even did want not, to know. But I don't yeah. even want to know
0: the answer to that question. Yeah. No, I mean, Save
1: the mistake before I know the answer.
0: Yeah. Well, what soccer team do you like is like a horrible question to ask because...
1: It is a terrible question to ask, but it's the first thing I think of because that's how my brain <laughs> works. I'm sorry. Please continue.
0: Well, it's one that it leads to its own conversation, and no one likes anyone else's soccer team.
1: This is true.
0: It's not like... Some a ma- of
1: them are not as bad.
0: It's not like American sports where it's like, oh, you you like the Denver Nuggets? Okay, fine. But like unless you like the same team, that conversation doesn't go well.
1: Well, no, you could be nice. Anyway, very cool discus thrower. Yes. Like Um, that.
0: And Maryland had six finalists in total, which is a program record. It was kind of an upset that as many of them made it to finals as they did, and uh the four finalists on the women's side didn't really do a lot of damage which you know would have been nice to see one of them do but i think they'll take it there they were all you know just kind of happy to be there um but but that's still something because they all had a really good regionals and you know a handful of them and a handful of other athletes that almost made nationals um are coming back so you know mm-hmm. Maryland track is in this weird spot because they've had the same coach for a long time, but the men's team almost got cut entirely um,
1: during the purge
0: yeah during the purge and then so men's cross country and indoor track are still gone so the outdoor season is their only season so it's tough to recruit for that and you know the women have never really gotten grown that relevant and so everyone likes andrew valman and i like andrew valman like you know talking to him he's he's awesome but at the same time he's been here you know maybe 15 years now and maryland's still in this weird building position but it, it's in a positive direction right now is what it seems like so exciting times
1: mm-hmm. that's always good and quickly before we get back on Honda... Too much of a soccer train. That's always what I think about when I think of people from London. I'm sorry. I don't hate people because they like Arsenal or Chelsea or West Ham. I just hate their club. Uh, it's okay. Uh, Zach Steffen was great this weekend. Yes. Now, soccer is a great hipster sport, and you can instantly say, like, hey, I, I remember seeing him when." But this is actually one of those cases where I could say, I remember seeing him at Maryland and knowing the first minute I watched him play, this is the guy.
0: Oh, did you think he was going to be like the U.S. guy? Yes. Oh,
1: nice. I, I knew pretty quick. You, you can tell pretty quickly with some of these. But goalies, it's pretty easy to tell with with in every sport. You can tell if somebody's that much better than everybody else you've seen at that similar level. You can tell. It's mm-hmm. very evident in soccer too. And with goalie, I mean, you don't have to make too many crazy saves before you realize, the guy's pretty good. And I had heard about him before he came to Maryland. He was in the Union's Academy. Never signed. Recruited to play for Maryland and played a couple of years before he was, uh, went to Freiburg in Germany, played the academy, didn't do anything there and went to the crew. And I've known for a while that he was going to be good. He made like a billion bonker saves at a couple of uh, U-20 World Cups. One of them was 2015, the team that made the quarterfinals. He played some insane games and you could tell pretty quickly that he was really, really good and a cut above basically everybody else. And, yeah, this was the first real time that he have seen him play like that for the U.S. I've watched him play for the crew and do things of that nature before. I mean, if you watched him play last year, the game against Atlanta in the playoffs where he kept a clean sheet and then won on penalties, he was absolutely insane. And then this game, he didn't have to make a ton of great saves, but he made a great double save at the end. And France is really, really good, except the fact that their manager is terrible. But this is not a World Cup podcast, so I won't get into that. But I think it's, still, it's still worth noting, though, that,
0: you know. He gets this chance with USA's, like, young guy, B, C team, whatever you want to call it. it,
1: It's it's the, we aren't going to the World Cup, so let's see all the young players and how good they are team, which is perfectly acceptable to me. Yeah, which, and and for that group,
0: largely because of Stefan, to draw France's let's go try to win the World Cup team, You have to
1: understand that France's Let's Go trying to Win the World Cup team also has their terrible manager that no one likes, and it means they can't beat a team of a bunch of 20-year-olds and Julian Green. So that's what I've been... This is, again, this is a soccer thing that maybe if you don't follow soccer very closely, it's not a big deal to you. But to me, it's kind of amazing. And then I tweeted, because obviously Taylor Twellman went to Maryland. uh, I said, I was asking... Openly. Why didn't Taylor Twelman mention that Zach Steffen went to Maryland and I tweeted that and then the Maryland Men's Soccer Twitter account and Sasha Sorosky favorited the tweet. Wasn't intending for that to happen and I don't think Sa- Sasha would probably recognize me if I went back and talked to him again because I interviewed him multiple times for multiple different things. And yeah, so Zach Steffen is going to be really, really good for a very long time and he went to Maryland and getting a pimp out. I mean, I know people know Maryland soccer is really good. But sometimes you don't appreciate how good they are until you see something like Graham Zuzzi starting in the World Cup for you to realize that. And Rodney Wallace is on the uh, Costa Rican team that's going to the World Cup, and he also went to Maryland. So that's, of course, cool to mention. But it's different when it's a U.S. player and Zach Steffen's really good. So he is probably not long for MLS. I can imagine him being sold to a really good club at some point. So there's your soccer analysis for today's show. If you root for a soccer club in London that's different than the one that certain people root for, it's not good. And Zach Steffen is good. Here you right. go. Soccer 101, everybody. Alright, so that will be on the test. Yes, it will. And Lovely. the test and the test will require you to know many obscure things about soccer that no, I actually won't. I will not give anybody a test on being a soccer fan. If you watch the World Cup this year without the US in it, then you've done well enough as far as I'm concerned. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I, I would recommend still watching it, but anyway. That's about it for this show. I think the next time we'll have a show is after the NBA draft, when presumably Kevin Herter could be a first-round pick.
0: Yeah. Um, I'd am i be stunned if he isn't.
1: I mean, he, he declared for the draft when we all thought he was probably going to come back, so I think there's somebody. I saw one mock draft that said he might be picked by the Spurs, which seems too perfect. So
0: Yeah, I've heard that as it, well.
1: Don't think it's going to be a long night for Kevin Herter, but he'll be the first— number one the first our draft picks, it's Alex Len. Mm-hmm. And Alex Len didn't go particularly well. Feel a bit unfortunate for that, but Kevin Herter going is gonna be a good good night for Maryland basketball. And I will certainly pick up some time to watch him play next year if he plays significant time, which you know what? You might. So we will have that for you when we next speak and hopefully We'll have some other special goodies as well. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this show. And, of course, go Terps.